You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. Ladies and gentlemen of the niche, welcome back to Cannon Fodder. I'm your good buddy, Joe O'Brien. And I'm Troy. The nickname bit is over La Valley. It's officially over, folks. You heard it here first. Troy giving up comedy. It's I'm done. I'm going just serious drama from here on out. <laughs> A late career pivot. It is Wednesday, January 18th, 2023, and uh, we're here to officially announce that Cannon Fodder will now be a dramatic reading every week. Hope you have some Kleenex nearby. (laughs) (laughs) So when you were in the depths of your uh, acting program at Columbia, Mm -hmm. uh, was Mm -hmm. comedy sort of seen as like uh, gauche? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm still not sure if we're using that correctly. Was comedy uh, like you? No, no. It was one of those things that like, there, there were, I, saw, I, I worked with so many great actors that couldn't do comedy. Um, it was like a badge of honor if you could pull off comedy because comedy is, is, it's all about time. At the end of the day, it all boils down to timing. Timing is so important. Um, and, and being able to, to find that, that middle ground between, uh, you know, laying it on too thick and, and just, getting the audience, you know, so that they're not in on the joke. It's very, very hard. And so I saw a lot of actors crash and great actors crash and burn because they couldn't do funny. Yeah, it is. It is a very specific art that is uh, very funny, for lack of a better term, like how uh, tough it is to to nail exactly. You need timing. Like you said, timing is is so important, but you also need a twisted, sad, messed up mind. <laughs> well, I you need you a mind agree. that is like a Rolodex of of connections. Do you know what I mean? Like when you yeah. when, when you think about our our greatest comedy moments or time, it's always just like would skid pull something like so quick out of left field and nails it. Or if I come like it, it really think of the, all the times with Jared. Jared does the same thing. It's like that's what comedy is to me. Is like just having all of this information in your mind at the ready, so that when someone says something, it's like we cut to the inside of your brain and we see a bunch of people like looking things up. Should we use this? Should we use this? Should we use? Let's go with this. And like, how? It's like a magic trick. Like, how did you make that connection so quickly? Because that's just how a comedian's brain works. It's like when you say something, it's immediately what are the ten funniest things I can yeah. say in response to it? It's amazing. Jared Logan has a joke that is so funny. In Blood of the Wild that has not aired yet. It's coming soon. I'll tell you about it off air. Uh, and I was just like, you have to be messed up in the head to even like think of that so fast. It is amazing. Speaking of which, <laughs> Blood of the Wild, ladies and gentlemen, has hit the world. Ooh, it's out, out baby. We've been hyping it each week of Cannon Fodder. Uh, we had Session Zero. Then we had Character Creation Episodes. Well, now the actual story is out. Episodes one, two, and three dropped this week, and it's on Patreon at the one dollar sampler tier. Uh, so one dollar, five dollars, everybody gets it as long as you join up on the Patreon for just a buck. Check out this new two e run of uh, the Quest for the Frozen Flame Adventure Path. Jared is running it. I'm in it. Skids in it. 
uh, Paula Deming and Mary Lou are in it. It's we're having a great time. So I, I urge you to check it out and see if it's something that's for you. And if it is starting at episode four, those are going to be at the $10 tier. Uh, if that's something that you enjoy. And remember, you're also getting Legacy of the Ancients. Uh, and when it returns, get in the trunk. Get in the trunk. And if you never listen to New Game Who Dis, like all 74 episodes, uh, the podcast version of New Game Who Dis are available at $10 as well. So like, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot. Um, still less than Netflix, but, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to give you some bang for your buck. I'm so excited. I, I, we're, I remember sitting, you remember we were in, uh, Nashville and we went out for lunch day of the show. I think, yeah, it was day mm-hmm. of the show. And, uh, I was like, we could sit here and just socialize or we could talk business. I said, Jared, let's talk about 2023. And I couldn't even start to speak. And he was like, do you mind if I pitch you something first? We all lean back in our chairs and that's the bio. The floor is yours. And he said the words that came out of his mouth, we never expected in a million years. He was like, here's what I want to pitch. I'd like to run Pathfinder second edition. And we were just like, what? (laughs) And the way my mind works as such a shock, I was like, and we'll put it at the $10 tier. <laughs> You're so Seconds dirty. later. A filthy businessman. <laughs> uh, speaking of a filthy businessman, you filthy, filthy bastard. I you kept you. getting the trunk from the people for years. I did. Years. I did. Uh, getting the trunk has been uh, – it started as part of New Game Who Dis, and now it is um, – uh, it is an audio show that's at the $5 tier. You can catch the video on YouTube if you want to watch it, but that did season not premiere four. until yeah. season four that we added video to it. it. used to just be an audio show. Well, big, big news this week. For those of you that are not familiar with Get in the Trunk, it is our Delta Green playthrough, which is kind of a modern horror Cthulhu-esque uh, game. It, it's it's X-Files and True Detective all wrapped up into Cthulhu. It's amazing. It is releasing this week for free to all uh season one season one not all in in one bulk but uh what are you starting with three episodes is that the the plan yeah we're gonna release three episodes tomorrow uh on a brand new get in the trunk feed uh until all of season one has dropped uh and it's my plan to like keep that feed populated so that you you know you always have the option to subscribe on patreon and binge um but otherwise you can get slow played out uh, on its own feed. We, we just, we love this show so much. We think it's some of the best work we've ever done. And, and to have it gated behind a paywall is really tricky when we think we could be bringing so many more people into the niche if they got a chance, uh, to hear this. So what I did is I went in and because this was a part of New Game Who Dis. And so it like, it has the New Game Who Dis music and then that music changed. It, yeah. It wasn't <laughs> called Get in the Trunk then. No, it was just called New Game Who Dis. So it actually, the first thing that'll be available on that feed is a like a three and a half minute trailer where I just explain what this show is. So people are finally like, what are they, why are they talking about New Game Who Dis? And what's COVID? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I go into all that and then, uh, and then you get the first three episodes remastered with the theme music and, and, uh, you know, the voiceover of the Glass Cat Network. So it sounds like all of our other shows. Um, and it's just kind of been you know, what I call remass reproduced. I, know, uh, I just love it. I love the idea. It sounds it's such salesy BS, but I absolutely <laughs> love it. Like the fact that this get in the trunk that we put together on a whim and had so much fun doing. It's like I look at the update and it's like get in the trunk remastered season one <laughs> launches this week on the Glass Gannon Network. I just love it. 
Dude, and there's so many little things like, um, you know, the logo. All our logos now have the little planet die in the corner. So I asked our boy Tristan, I was like, can you hook me up with some logos? He sent me five different options. I uploaded that today. And then I was like, oh shit, these episodes didn't have titles. I'm like, Joe, can you go back in and retitle all of season one? So I'm adding the titles in as I'm uploading them yesterday. Yeah, I was uh, so psyched. Really like, I wouldn't have known what to title episode one then. You know what I mean? Now looking back four seasons later, I'm like, all right, it's episode one the program you know what i mean like yeah. this is the introduction i didn't even know it was called the program when we recorded episode one but uh yeah anyway I, episode I don't one go. is also like almost four hours long so like we're dropping something like six hours of content tomorrow <laughs> on this new feed so. well that's episode one was our first time opening up the game doing character creation and a short one shot in one episode it was oh god it was so fun so yeah i urge so you guys fun. check it out if you are already familiar with it i'll tell you what Go back and re-listen. Listen to it, rate it, subscribe to it, because there is a lot of Easter eggs in there that I brought into season four. There's a lot of things that come from season one that you might have forgotten that are little hints and reminders, because that through line of Roger Comstone, that all begins in season one. And there's a lot there to re-listen to. It's helping us so much. If you download, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Um, we've seen it already happen now with Haunted City and Time for Chaos. On Apple Podcasts. Yeah, yeah, they flew up the charts on Apple Podcasts. Now when you go to like the game section, it's all Glass Cannon shows on there, which is pretty great. And s- same thing, like Time for Chaos went all the way up to number four uh, last week when it dropped. So keep doing that. Keep downloading these shows. It's the downloads. And so if you subscribe and have shows auto-download, those are the numbers that we need. And then obviously reviews help because as other people are finding these shows, they want it. Oh, is this show any good? Oh, five stars. Look at these reviews. The greatest thing ever. So uh, that's very important. But if you do nothing else, subscribe and download. One more piece of news, and then I want to move on to We Are Stupid. Man, we got a juicy We Are Stupid this week. I am so excited. I have literally a stack of books filled with uh, bookmarks (laughs) in all different locations. This is going to be awesome. Um, Glass Cannon Labs returns this week uh, with – we had uh, Cyborg last week. Such a great time. Uh, Man, I could have just kept playing that. But this week we're diving into Simbarum, uh, the the Free League dark, grim, dark fantasy setting uh, RPG. And man, what a cast. What? Have we announced the cast? We did. We did. If you watched the show last week, the graphic's up. It's out. You're going to be running me, Ross Bryant, Josephine McAdam. And Jared Logan. <laughs> it's amazing. What a, what a, I had to like think. You, I'm like, wait, is it Logan on there too? Yeah, what a it's great Logan. crew. It's like, so I am running the cast of Haunted City, but you're replacing Abu uh, for Simbarum. It's, it's Playing the role ex- of Abu for this matinee. <laughs> yeah, that cast is going to be amazing. I wanted that cast because it's just – it's such a perfectly dark setting and uh, they get it. They get the vibe. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That will be this Thursday live on twitch.tv slash the glass cannon at 2 p.m. Eastern time. We're just going live. Live live. Like real live. It's going to be great. Speaking of live live. Before we talk notes, do you want to talk about this other stuff going on in our fucking industry? <laughs> you mean, do I want to talk about the thing that is not guaranteed yet, but we're going to record uh, on Cannon Fodder and then it's not going to happen? Right. Well, uh, we, we do that from time to time. We get excited. Um, we get excited. Dude, where do we even start with this? I know we want to keep it quick so we can get to the rules because there are a ton of rules errors. But uh, unless you've been living under a rock. There's a lot going on in the gaming industry. One of the major players, uh, 
rolled a natural one, as they said in their, <laughs> as in, they say in their eloquent press release. And, uh, yeah, I mean, things are falling apart. Suffice it to say without, uh, you know, casting aspersions that, uh, a lot of people are flocking to Pathfinder 2E. Uh, they're leaving, uh, other gaming, uh, groups and they're coming over to 2E. And so we want to, uh, welcome them into that community since we are, I don't want to toot our own horn, but we're the voice of Pathfinder. We've become the voice of Pathfinder as the most downloaded show uh, in existence, the most watched show uh, when it comes to Pathfinder. So we want to take this opportunity to welcome these people in by doing a stream. Um, so we've been talking to Paizo, obviously with a holiday this week, uh, we're, we're still waiting to iron out the details, but we're planning on doing like an introductory uh, live stream of Pathfinder 2E that I'm going to run. Tell them the cast, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Troy's going to run right now. Our booked cast is myself, my good buddy Skid, Paula Deming, and Mary Lou. The players <laughs> of Blood of the Wild who are all steeped right now in level one 2E. I mean, that is all that we're doing. Uh, we're going to grab that crew and just put them live, live with you running a game uh, for us. Hopefully, this is going to happen next Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. January I'll find it 25th, January 25th, <laughs> yes. uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and we're calling it Friends of the Pod as of now, yeah, right? Yeah, it's going to be another point. Friends of the Pod as we unite with Paizo on this little uh, endeavor. And I, I think that it might be airing on Paizo's channels and stuff in terms of YouTube. We still have things to work out there. We're not sure yet. But this is very early uh, breaking news. Um, not everything's set in stone yet. But save next Wednesday if you can. Save the date. Yeah, this is a big, big time in the industry. Big, lot of shakeups are happening. And we, you know, uh, now that we are, we're friends of a lot of people, like we've kind of known for a while that this was coming. Um, the way it exactly played out was a little bit different from what we heard, but we knew that, that, that this, uh, shit was about to hit the fan. And, uh, what we didn't predict was this mass exodus towards 2E. And so if you're a Pathfinder player, if you're active on social media and you see all these people floundering looking for new RPGs, please direct them to the Glass Cannon Network. Because not only do we play Pathfinder 2E, we play every other game under the sun, unlike uh, no no one else is really doing what we're doing. So please mention the Glass Cannon Network on social media when you see people looking like, oh, what other podcasts play this or play? Send them to us. But we're coming in hot next week with the 2E show that we think is going to be uh, a great way to capture new people and show them what we're all about, but also show them what Pathfinder 2E is all about, that you can just sit down and start playing and learn as you go. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh Paula Deming is very excited to hop in. So she's she's playing a character in Blood of the Wild named Yelka, uh an Oracle. Uh when I pitched this to her, she was like, Yeah, I'm in. Could I play an Oracle an Oracle uh, named Melka? It's <laughs> just like she's like, I know this class now. Can I can I just play this, please? Um no, it's gonna be great. We're gonna have a great time. And uh, and those of you that haven't checked out Blood of the Wild yet, you'll get a chance to see the Blood of the Wild cast. You know what I mean? Like that's those are the players from Blood of the Wild, um, hanging out, working together, and uh, and doing a live stream. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, let's get to we are stupid. Lots, wow. I don't want to say lots of mistakes this week, but uh, man, some great great gritty stuff to dig into. Uh, I'm going to say top of the list, which is uh, not necessarily a, a we are stupid. In fact, it's not really we are stupid, but it is it is good to point out. Um, I suspect you know this, Troy. Did you know – you knew during the episode, right, that that by raw, the the bottled sunlight that uh, 
Aldo was using against the Wraith uh, wouldn't necessarily proc its sunlight vulnerability. Uh, but you decided to go another way with that. Talk to me about it. Being Game Master, you have to do a lot of different things beyond just prepping and running the game, learning the rules, and adjudicating uh, certain uh, situations. One of the things you have to do is look out for your players' feelings. And <laughs> every so player <laughs> has different uh, sort of things that they can tolerate and things that they can't tolerate. Because ultimately, as as the GM, as the host of this party, you want everybody to have a good time. Now, some well, the, the only difference is that sometimes you don't have a good time that leads to an even better time later. However, it does me no good to make Sid sad, you know, right out the gate for something that really doesn't matter. You know skid. what I mean? Skid, yeah. Um, my K was very soft, but I did say skid. Uh, you know, skid would just have been so bummed out, and then I would it would have taken me a half an hour to get skid excited again. Like, it was a lot better to be like, how can I, how can I have this work somehow? And so we stumbled through it until we eventually realized, oh, wait, no, this it could work like this. At the end of the day, there are rules that there are things that are like, no. No, we're not going to do that. And other times I'm like, is this going to make this person happy and ultimately not really matter? Well, then let me try and do that. Yeah. I think the not really matter part is debatable. I think that, that was a huge impact to the combat. But sure. if we look at Professor Eric's analysis of, of this moment, he sides with you big time. And I love his analysis of it, which is essentially, even though by raw, it probably wouldn't work that way, utilizing and highlighting a creature's cool, weird vulnerabilities and weaknesses that a player is attempting to take advantage of, even if it might not be exactly right by raw, rewarding players for that makes everyone have more fun. Because not only do you feel like you're heroic, as Professor Eric says, but you also feel like Paizo is creating interesting and dynamic monsters, creatures that have these neat little quirks about them, very powerful in this way, a little bit weaker in this way. And uh, they're, they're well thought out, you know? Yeah. It just, it makes it seem like a, 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 you're reading a fantasy novel. If you, yes. someone did this lore dive and they remember reading in the book somewhere that wraiths are particularly vulnerable to sunlight. And then everyone's like, well, there's nothing we can do. And then you see the alchemist reach on his belt. It's like, <laughs> I have this jar of bottled sunlight. And then I say, well, that will work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's just <laughs> lame. <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> and he opens the jar and nothing happens. <laughs> we just love, we love a good cinematic gameplay style. That's our mm -hmm. gameplay style. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's very cinematic. Speaking of cinematic, the entire drama with the captain's tricorn hat, the objective of our entire mission here. It, it doesn't matter if everyone dies to the last man and leaves every enemy alive. As long as we leave with that hat somehow, as long as someone gets out with that tricorn hat, it was the objective of the mission. And it was a funky rules area because we were talking about using the disarm skill to get the hat. Very strange thing because you're not disarming. You are not taking a wielded weapon uh, or, or knocking it to the ground. I love this. Uh, Eric went into this. In a way that I think is very interesting, which is disarm totally works, he believes, because the steel action, which is something you would use, cannot be used in combat. It's not a skill that can be used in combat. However, if you go to page 264 of the core rule book, you will see a feat, a general feat, a level one feat called pickpocket. Pickpocket 
allows you to steal an item from an aware person or a person on guard, I should say, at the trained level. And once you are a master in thievery, you can straight up steal items off of a, uh, of a, um, creature in combat. You have to take a minus five penalty though. And it takes so, two manipulate actions. And it takes two manipulate actions to do it. So very neat. There was a rule for it. There was a crunch rule for it. Nobody in our uh, – actually, yeah, nobody in our party has that feat or is a master of thievery. Uh, so you kind of ruled on the fly for fun. Let's let it be a disarm. Disarm is obviously really tough. You got to like crit and then you have to – you know, you basically have to crit after already getting a success. Um there's a lot that goes into it, but uh, I think that there was a definitely a rule of cool moment when Sid transforms into a dinosaur to just grab it off the top of his head. It made for such a fun, such a fun session. But it is good to know there's a rule for that. Yeah, it's it, you know it's it's a GM thing, and it's also very different for streaming versus if we were just playing an unrecorded game. There's like a uh, when someone wants to do something and you're not 100 percent sure of the rule. There's like a ticking clock before like that in my brain and I'm sure in all of your brains it's like well, we have so much time that we can look up the rule and if we can't find the right answer I've just got to make the call. Now if we find the right answer later we can always go back and change it if it makes sense. If it's all right if the hands off the chess piece that's fine as well, but like I I feel like we're doing a lot better or maybe I'm doing a lot better as well just being like okay, uh, why don't we just do this and then we'll figure it out later and like we might get it wrong even 50% of the time, but I think it makes for a better show, especially where we're not, these are, these are basically live streams. Uh, you know, we're not going in and editing stuff out. I, I think it's better. And it's always nice when we make the right call without actually having known what the truth was. Well, to me, that's a testament to the system. Yeah. Like you make the right call because it felt right. And it's all made sense in the moment while you're playing the game. And then you look it up later and find out it was right. Then the system is working properly. It's I intuitive. Feel like. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. It's intuitive. Um, I also like this whole thievery line and this uh, stealing and disarming line, or a stealing and a pickpocketing line. You got to spend a feat to manipulate actions that you can't steal something from someone who's on guard or fighting. Like they specifically know that you know to be. They're so aware that is not what the steal action is meant for. However, you spend this feat, you become a master at it. You can steal off of someone that you're in the middle of fighting. Uh, which is great. You should have that option. It just is a little bit harder. I wonder if we're going to have a rogue in Gatewalkers. I can see a little rogue I can see a little rogue fun. action. I don't think we've had a rogue in 2E on the show. I, I, I thought long and hard about it. Uh, still thinking about it. For Blood of the Wild, I was thinking about it. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting class, and I'm, I'm interested to see if anybody goes with it. Let's keep it cooking here. We've got another major issue. Major, major. issue. This Whoa. one, uh, I mean, blew by me big time, which is Phantom Pain. Phantom Pain, uh, and this is your fault, right? Yes, okay. I'm blaming you because you cast this spell and you didn't read it all. That's on me. That's on me. Uh, the biggest thing about Phantom Pain is that it is non-lethal. And you know what's tricky? And this is something we really have to get used to. It never says non-lethal damage anywhere in the spell. However, it is. It does have the non-lethal trait. That's, yeah. we just have to look at the traits first and foremost. I say we, you know, I, I have to get in that habit and hopefully everybody else does too. First and foremost, look at the traits and that's really going to help you, uh, guide you through the rest of the reading of the spell. Since Phantom Pain has the non-lethal trait, when it put Ethel down, even on a crit, 
He is not dying. He's just unconscious because he was knocked unconscious by non-lethal damage. So that means that he does not get the dying condition and he just is unconscious. And even the persistent damage wouldn't do anything. It would just keep him unconscious essentially and knock him back unconscious if he was to awake with one hit point. So that persistent mental damage would just keep you down. It doesn't kill you. You'd have to take some sort of lethal damage throughout that. uh, And then even the persistent mental wouldn't. uh, It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The traits are so key. And I preach it to you guys all the time. It's like, you want to cast something? Look at your traits. I feel like I get a little bit of a pass because I got a lot going on. But uh, I I do want to make sure that I'm looking more at these traits because they tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. I honestly tend to skip the traits. I I just look, I read the text of the spell and it's a bad habit that I have to kick. Like you got to look at those traits. Uh, Speaking of which, impending doom has a trait that I find to be so awesome. And I didn't know about this at the time, but now that I- This came up last time she used it too. And I think I said it in in an email off off the air to you guys and then it came back again. And we just forgot about it. It did not stick with me that time. If I heard you say it before, it, it didn't stick with me. Let's talk about the incapacitation trait. Absolutely, absolutely love this. Because this is this is a concept that is uh, all over uh, video games, board games, um, uh, and, and tabletop RPGs. But I would never call it the incapacitation trait. That's just what they called it here. But basically, earmuffs, kids, because I'm about to use some foul language. If you see the incapacitation trait on a spell, it's basically just letting you know this shit's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) This spell is nasty and it's It's nasty. It's broken. It's broken. (laughs) And basically what it's telling you is this spell can just one shot on one die roll, kill somebody or take them out of the fight entirely. Just be aware that that's the case. As you enter into this spell, what it means mechanically is that incapacitation is going to be almost impossible to pull off against higher level combatants. So when it has the incapacitation trait, it essentially says any creature of more than twice the spell's level treats the result of their check as one success, one degree of success better uh, so that they it's really unlikely. I mean, they can't critically fail, which is the one that really is going to kill you or knock you out permanently from a fight. I wish I remember the last time she did this because she can't. Oh, it was the Grey Gardener. She cast Impending Doom on the Grey Gardener and I succeeded. And it still had, uh, for success on Impending Doom, you still yeah, get Yeah, you still get a flat-footed. And then in, after three rounds, you take half damage. That's but that's be- a success. But because the Grey Gardener's level was more than twice the level of the spell, my success should have been treated as a critical success, which means that I'm completely unaffected. Yeah. This case, uh, I believe we were talking about pre-show, is that I just, I failed. And my failure should have been treated as a success. So I still take all those spells, but it's not as bad as a failure, which means it's also impossible for you to crit fail something with the incapacitation trait. And in this case, the captain was uh, uh, nine, moderate nine, I think. Uh, so they yeah. still call it CR. So it makes me think of it makes me think of Elden Ring, right? So we'll go through Elden Ring, we'll fight all these creatures, and then you get to the boss. Boss fights hard. I'm like, all right, let me look this up. Let me let me read about like what I could do here, and you'll see for a boss fight, it'll say immune to. Sleep, uh, p- poison, 
death effects, you know, like all those things. Because bosses, they're not going to succumb like that quickly to some kind of condition. Some will, you know, in certain situations. But this incapacitation trait is basically saying this is for lower level enemies. Enemies that are, you just need to mow through, uh, that's the best time to use this spell. Um, but to me, it's also interesting because it's like Impending Doom in particular. When are you going to fight a creature of CR equal or lower to yours and have it still be alive in three rounds? <laughs> you know what I mean, you yeah. must be having to fight a lot of creatures for, for that to happen. That's interesting. You know, I, I, I'm curious as to when it's going to come up, but. It'll never happen again. It'll or never. will it? It'll never happen again. I think Sounds Kate like we to the pod. Can you listen in? Colin. <laughs> uh, sounds like we screwed up Animal Companions again. I don't remember that exactly. Not but, shocking. But we got it. We, we nailed it down now. We're good. Animal Companions act on the turn of their uh, master and do not get an additional role. I think we figure that out by this week's episode. <laughs> oh, is that what happens? Yeah. I think. Okay. Uh, I think. Uh, final notes. Ghost Charge. Also adds Enfeebled 1 to the Wraith. Without going into precise details, this is likely not a major factor since the fight is still ongoing. And Eric doesn't want to spoil anything for the players. He gets advanced knowledge. Dude, I'll tell you, I miss having uh, character creation software for my bad guys. All it's so, it's, 2E is so condition-based, and I just have to have like a system that I'm, I'm still working on. And obviously I'm using little icons on roll 20, but it's not a perfect system. Cause all I'm like enfeebled will look one thing on one guy and then look something totally different. on Another guy I have no consistency. Cause I'm just making up. I'm like, Oh, that looks enfeebled. Uh, but man, I miss that. So, uh, you know, stay tuned in the coming weeks. Hopefully we're, 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 we're looking for a, a partner to be able to, uh, to lock this down. Obviously it'd be different where strange ions wasn't meant to be chewy, but gatewalkers, I want to come out the gate as it were, using a uh, true character creation software because 2E is are people using pencil and paper. You're crazy. You're crazy. If you're using pencil, Cause that's what I'm doing. It sucks. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Cause I'm doing it. <laughs> Last thing I, this is so brutal. I, I, I guess we just, I just have to have Matthew on here to defend himself without Matthew here. It's just me. So it, it doesn't carry the same weight, but I feel like a madman about this hero point usage before you actually die thing. It makes me insane. I can't handle it. Like, I feel like I am so right and obviously right on this that the fact that I get any pushback is actually bringing out my Irish rage. It's, Here's it's, the thing. You may be right, but just like you're driving Matthew nuts, you're driving people nuts that don't like when you drive other people's characters. You're right, but you got to just let them burn. Let them burn on their own. Yeah. Because other I, people are like, why is Joe telling Matthew what to do? Now I'm like, because well, Joe's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just like trying it. to help him understand the rules. Like, I don't think, I literally think he doesn't understand the rules. <laughs> because if you did, you would never do that. It doesn't make any logical sense. And it's not about... Uh, giving him a benefit or, or, or uh, helping the party in any way. It's just a very basic, like, understanding of how that thing works. You automatically, for free, get to spend your hero point when your dying condition would increase. So increasing it earlier when you have persistent damage. I was trying to help his character, which obviously is the same argument that everybody would make. You're trying to help a character just shut up and let them kill themselves. You got to let them burn Fine. That's fine. I just want to make sure the rule was understood, but it drives me nuts 
when that kind of stuff is uh, misunderstood. It doesn't honestly. I gotta say, it doesn't bother me when you are chiming in left and right. I think it. I think it rubs other people the wrong way. Some I've seen it, um, but if here's what I'll say: No one spends more time with the book than you, and that's why I'm happy to have you come in, even if you're wrong sometimes and do it. It's it's very important. It's very helpful to me. We've talked about our good friends, Order the Amber die a bunch of times. And one of our favorite things that they do is they have a player captain. And you've basically taken on the role of a player captain on our show. And so I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, it's, 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 it's that fine line. It's like, other, I know there's sometimes, you know, the truth and you don't say anything. Uh, but other times it's, it's really, really helpful. So I, I appreciate it. But ultimately, if they don't want to take your advice, let them die. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Let them die from non-lethal damage. I agree. I just, oh, I just wish and hope that it comes from a place of fully understanding the rule and then deciding to do something else. That's fine. Yeah. But uh, when it's just like, no, that's not, it doesn't work how you think it does, Joe. I'm like, yes, it does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all I got for this week, Troy. Do you have anything else for us? No, this was good, man. I, uh, we're, you know, this doesn't really spoil anything. If anything, it'll get your uh, teeth wet. We are about to approach a very exciting turning point in the Strange Aeons adventure. And oh, yeah? So I'm, I'm just excited. A few more reps, a few more chugging along. Exciting things are coming. <laughs> oh, baby. Can't wait. Uh, yeah, lots to lots to dig into. We'll be back next week with the FOD, of course. And uh, we got a little Blade Runner coming next week. Man, we're, we're going to have a juicy FOD next week, Chewy too. Chewy live? Under <laughs> It's going to be awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at patreon.com slash glasscannon. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.